Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm just trying to stay alive. The place I stay wasn't always nice. I'm on stand, I don't survive. I'm just trying to stay alive. Stays the same, but shit don't ever change. Calling me on repeat, but I'm way too far out of range. I drive a big rig off the Venice Pier to see if it will float. Making friends with the sharks, taught myself how to swim years ago. So I don't know how much you talk about the creative process, and I'm not sure how much you want to give away. Ask me whatever you want. Okay, great. I'd love to know. If I don't want to answer something, I'll just skirt around it cool so. alright brilliant well I wanted to before we learn about you and talk about your life which yeah. I will get to I want to just know first of all after seeing the show last night yeah. how do you get from the idea or the conception to the inception because it yeah. was a total like three dimensional performance art show for yeah. me I fucking loved it loved the visuals I thought that the music and the visuals was in perfect harmony yeah. so do you start with an idea and then write the lyrics then the music then the visuals how does it all come together okay I'll give uh, the quick breakdown on this one so let me see these are somebody else's cigarettes not mine. Got one of those uh, I want one of mine. There we go. American <laughs> spirit, the good stuff. Yeah. Without all the shit in it, right? Yeah, well, who knows? <laughs> um, so this material that that I performed last night, I some of the instrumentals, maybe not all of them, have been hanging around for years. Right. You know, uh, even probably while I was doing the Icarus line. I, You know, maybe one of the songs was done before the band broke up. I don't know. I had made 300 or more beats at night when I'm, you know, alone. Are you a nighttime guy? Yeah. Yeah, vampire? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's quiet, yeah. you know. I live in Los Angeles. 
you know how it is you live here that's the only time when it's just everything calm. shuts down in LA at 2 a.m doesn't yeah, it? it does everything everything shuts down so it's super calm um, my dogs are chill what dogs you got my woman's chill I got three dogs nice. yeah I got three little fuckers <laughs> two Italian greyhounds and a lovable mix nice um, so you know I don't really play video games or I don't like have hobbies so much so to you know you can only watch so much shit TV and in between that I go to my laundry room which is smaller than this room and like fuck around on my computer and make beats and I've been doing this for years you know and what do you use what program uh, NPC right you know on my laptop and on headphones and I don't think I even told anyone I was doing that for a very long time. So yeah. was the intention maybe to not even necessarily use it or do something yeah, with it? Was it was no just to kill time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no intention. It was just, you know, I'm not making paintings. I do that. Yeah. You know, something to just blow off steam, something that had nothing to do with any ambition, basically. You know, which is often when the purest stuff comes, right? Because oh, you're not sure. putting any pressure on yourself, and you're not thinking about an audience or no audience, no ambition, and no judgment. You know, the only thing was like make something in an hour that I can listen to in my car. Yeah. You know, and right. that's basically what I did for years was make like when I was sick of listening to whatever. You know, it's like nothing news come out or whatever. You know, I need something to listen to this is what I was doing was making like soundtracks to drive around to during the day. So that's what this shit is. So I would make these beats, throw them on my iPod and listen to them. And that was it. You know, eventually the last tour the Icarus line did was with Scott Weiland. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was when he in the died scene on. of that. Is it the one he actually died on? Yeah. Fucking hell. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can we go into that? Yeah. So what so, sort of um, condition did he seem to be in and did you know him like, before the tour at all no right. no i didn't know him it was kind of like some management booking agent deal you know yeah. whatever um and we had just finished a record or it had just come out all things under heaven the last acre sign record was done coming out and it was weird as i finished that record i knew kind of knew that was the final statement from that group or whatever so even touring it i kind of wasn't really like sure okay you know what sort of a mindset is that is that bittersweet is it kind of draining is it uh, just a bit like removed the way I felt when I finished it was like at peace this is what I've been trying to do with this thing the whole time boom it's done so yeah. kind of cathartic yeah totally like okay I can't push a band format me personally any further than this at least right now in my life this is it you know and that's kind of how it felt but <clears throat> excuse me we were signed to sony strangely enough like the most uncommercial record i've probably made up to that point was it v2 no it was it was sony it was yeah yeah straight, straight up sony. main house yeah 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 which was weird um just through management or whatever they tricked them into putting the record out you know so i was like did they know what they were getting into do you think i don't think so right and i don't think they were they were just it was like someone was like yeah sure we'll do it you know what i mean it's like okay so i felt not a lot of pressure but a little bit of pressure to sort of at least show that i was gonna promote it you know what i mean and the tour came up and i was like oh fuck 
I knew it wasn't the right tour for us anyways, but whatever. Right before the tour, Alvin got sick. Um, trying to think how it happened. Okay, one, I mean, it just happened like that. We were jamming, we finished the record, and right before the tour, he called me from the hospital and he's like, dude, I fucking woke up today paralyzed. And he was paralyzed from the waist down, just like that, overnight. You know, it was shocking and fucking upsetting, and they found a tumor on his spine. So, at that point, I didn't really even want to go on tour because me and him have been... You're the guys, right? Yeah, you know, we've been so close since, like, third grade. We started playing music together since children. You know, the first person I ever played music with was him. You know what I mean? Like, hey, let's get guitars, you know, like sleepover age. Yeah. You know what I mean? That kind of shit. So, you know, just trying to process the fact that he's been stricken with something that's pretty fucking scary, you know, a tumor right at the base of his neck on his spine, in his spine. Um, And just trying to like, I think it was like Thanksgiving. I was at my parents' house when I got the call and it was, you know, I was like, okay, this is fucked. You know, I cried in the backyard. Um, away from everyone, obviously. And um, so he's he's starting treatment Im- immediately. And he can't walk. You know, he's bedridden all of a sudden. Like, that can't walk. Like, the tumor just put pressure on his spine. So he woke up one day. His roommates had to put him on an office chair to wheel him to the fucking emergency room. So and He had no idea that was coming. There was no signs. There was no warning. There was no back pain. Right. You know, yeah. Who doesn't have back pain at 38 years old? Especially you know? if you're a touring musician. Yeah, exactly. I'm always complaining about my back. You know, but he he was yeah he was complaining a little bit about his back, but nothing out of the ordinary. Yeah, totally. You know, nothing nothing that would really you know make you think, oh fuck, you're fucked. You know, um, so he's in a tight spot and. Before the tour, he starts to fight and get his legs back. He's on a walker. He's, you know, getting better. But he's not going to make it on this trip. So I throw together a skeleton crew of, of musicians. Besides my drummer and the saxophone player, it's no one else that was on the record. Everyone on the record kind of went their separate ways. Not because of anything, you know, not because of... Animosity. Or- yeah, nothing like that. It was just... Uh, we just, yeah, we were just going to make that record and that was it. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's whenever I stop, whenever I try to walk away, that's exactly when they're like, no. They pull you back in. Totally. Yeah, yeah. Totally. I don't know why. That's my whole life. You know, I've always tried to like not leave music, but I don't know. Yeah. Anyways. So we I commit to doing the tour put this group together um, and we get on it and I, I think I saw Scott like the first show you know and I uh, see him outside it's kind of a warm up gig for the tour in Hermosa Beach which is not like a main city and a s- small venue like 300 people whatever it's just to get it going and I saw him but I didn't really talk to him you know I'm not like I don't care you know whatever let him do his thing I know the drummer, Joey Castillo. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Joey was playing in the band from He used to play Queens. the Bronx, didn't he? And yeah. yeah, everything. Yeah, Joey's... that wild. Yeah, he's yeah. a dude, you know... Yeah, gun for high. Totally, yeah. and, and a cool guy, and just, you know, a really cool guy. 
you know so it was cool to see him and it's like all right i guess yeah we're all doing this all right let's do it you know and we see the show and it was fine you know they they seem to have their shit together and we played and you know it wasn't terrible or anything but it was just different without alvin you know and i had played shows without him over the course of the group you know he'd stay to work or something like that but most of the time he was there yeah you know and for this material specifically he was very integral the last record is like so performance based a lot of it is improvised you know and you know inspired by the actual moment like we record a take and that's the only take like that and you know so he he was pretty integral and trying to get that together with other people was just a ball ache and like it only got so far in my opinion you know it no knock on anyone but it was just going to be like that so we do that show we do maybe two other shows i think the second or third show is halloween in sacramento and scott is uh you know i see him outside after we play and maybe even after he plays i think it's the end of the show and he's standing outside and i'm like i'll go say hi or thanks for whatever and i try to talk to him and he's standing there having a drink and just couldn't even like talk you know i'm like talking to him but like i just saw the look in his eyes yeah 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 yeah. i knew i've seen that in people before that have died you know what i mean so we did one more show I think it was San Francisco, and then we were doubling back to L.A. to do House of Blues in Anaheim. Some fucking horrible shit, you know? House of Blues is the worst. <laughs> and uh, and then from there, it's like five weeks. You know, so we're in L.A., and I called my management um, and was like, and this is fucked up. I'm like, dude, if this guy dies... So you, you the- really did see it coming. Yeah. yeah. it's I, I know it sounds crazy, but yeah. I was like, if this guy you know kicks it while we're on tour like what happens is there are we just fucked and he's like yes like so i just gotta pay out of pocket because we're not making any money on this shit so i just gotta take care of everyone get everyone home so if we're stranded don't you know that kind of thing he's like yeah basically he's like look man if you don't want to do this i totally get it because he knew what shape he was in you know he also managed scott okay you know and I was like, yeah, I don't think I want to do this. So the last show for us and the Icarus line, just in general, was at the House of Blues in Anaheim at Disneyland, which is just, what a depressing setting to end it. Um, and the thing that really, besides Scott's condition, the thing that really turned me off to the entire situation was maybe a month before the tour, some footage came out of him like, slurring the words on some song Vaseline or something you know one of his hits or something on the internet and like you know it went viral because of how bad it was so every night when they would play that song everyone's phones would come up to capture maybe him you know what I mean that's fucked up it was just I was like I don't want to have anything to do with this this culture whatever this is this is not why I'm here. What's wrong with people, man? They're fucked. You know what I mean? They it's like culture. Yeah. Activity. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause what if they're the one that captures it, you know, and someone fucking likes something, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. so wrong, you know, at least, especially to me, you know, I take it like, I took it personally to see that it's like, 
We, we, I don't know what these people are really here for, you know. Um, Do you think there was an element at play if people were actually there to watch the car crash? Oh, yeah. 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 And they were fans of his as well. Yeah. That's what's <laughs> just, it was just all too much, you know. So that was the end of that. And I dissolved the group um, after that quietly. You know, I didn't, no announcement, no anything. It was just like, yeah, this is done. I'm going to wait for Alvin to feel better and then we'll assess things, you know. How many shows did they do after that? Do you know? <sighs> Another week and a half. Right. He died. Yeah. It was pretty fast. Like, Joey fucking texted me a couple hours after he found him on the bus. He's the one that found him, is yeah. it? You know? So, I'm glad I wasn't there for it. You know what I mean? I just... A lucky escape. Totally. Yeah. You don't want to be there for that. No. You know what I mean? It's just, why Why would you want that, you know? So, I'm, I'm glad we left, you know? Um, but, yeah... It was it was a weird one, and it it kind of put the nail in the coffin for me for just for that project for that project and just for rock band community in general. It was just like this format is not exciting to me, and I'm looking at the culture surrounding it, and of course there's positives, but it just didn't I didn't feel like I have anything to offer in this world anymore and or to get yeah or and it's nothing to offer me you know it's like it's over and I'm speaking a language that is not going to go over here you know I'm like I'm pushing closer to Sun Ra at this point you know and trying to get that over on a rock audience and they're just like you know yeah sure they're accepting it but it's not going to it's not going to catch on with people so, I didn't even, you know, Alvin being sick, that whole situation, I really just didn't even know if I was going to do music anymore, you know, uh, or what I was going to do. No fucking idea, you know, honestly. Um, so, you go home, what's the first thing you do, or what's the first sort of <clears throat> thought process as you start A little bit of panic, because... You're like, what the fuck am I going to do? Yeah. My identity's tied up in this thing that I've done since I was a child, yeah. basically. You know, I started the group when I was like fucking 19. You know, so my whole identity's tied up in this thing. So there is some kind of like, you know, head fuck getting out of that. But I knew that it's over. And I knew it was over for years before that, maybe. You know, and to an extent. But I was in a band with people who are my friends. They loved it. It was something that they looked forward to, and I feel like I even probably hung on for years beyond what I should have, because these people are my family, and I love spending time with them, and it was an excuse to spend time with people I care about and make some cool art. You know what I mean? So there was some relief, and then also a little bit of panic, like, okay, now what the fuck do I do with the rest of my life? Um... So, Which is a crazy position to be in when you're in your mid-30s, isn't it? Yeah. And to feel like... Totally. Maybe that the uh, the chapter's fully over. Totally. Totally. Because, you know, I mean, every record I've made, I'm amazed that they let me make another one. <laughs> but, you know, having some sort of brand, however fucking tarnished or dismal or whatever, you know, having some sort of, like, calling card, there's, like, some recognition to it even on a minimal level that 
I knew I could kind of parlay into another album or something if I had to. That's over, you know? And what's your relationship like with your fan base at that point? I, is there know, a hunger I've, there? I've is there a connection even, there? Is there a. I've never even considered if I even have a fan base. Like I, because you're actually unsure. Yeah, I don't feel like I've. You know, I'm amazed when anybody's ever heard of anything I've done. Honestly, like I have no idea that like anyone cares at all. You know, and like it's people try to tell me stuff. You know, like no, dude, there's people who like listen to your music, and it's like, I guess so. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, okay, I don't know. I still like, you know have to scramble for the rent so yeah. you know I don't know you know where are they where are they I don't know you know so yeah I don't really fan base to me is like if someone emails me and tells me they like something I'll email them back and be like cool man awesome you know what I mean and that's it I don't know I'm I'm very approachable that way you know it's I come from like a fucking punk scene you know what yeah, I mean yeah, that's yeah. like what I grew up on so you know who were the bands for you and obviously you grew up in LA right mm-hmm. so what was the scene like for you as a kid music wise who were the groups that um, ignited that fire in you yeah I mean probably the first one was Guns N' Roses which isn't punk at all but kind of I think their attitude is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, probably that just because you know that was my entry point to like whoa what the fuck is this you know they were so wild yeah. and I was in third grade you know um, and then from there you know I think my dad rented a copy of Decline of the Western Civilization yeah which one do you know first one, the first one yeah, yeah 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 and like so that's all Black Flag germs yeah and that like really switched my head on it was that Okay, this is weird. My dad did weird, like, videos, like Starlix videos, where, you know, they're almost like training videos with, like, famous people, and he did one with Flea one wow. time, you know? And What year? <coughs> what kind of era? Like, early Chili Peppers yeah. days? Or? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, probably either Mother's Milk or somewhere around there, and he let me go to the filming of it. So I got to meet Flea, right? And this is pretty much my introduction to punk music. So I'm sitting there all day watching Flea, you know, and I got to meet Just him or whatever. Yeah, he's playing bass or whatever. And I wasn't even a huge fan or whatever, but he's in a fucking huge band, you know? So I'm like, whoa, this is crazy. And I still barely know how to play. And uh, he has a buddy with him there the whole day. And the dude's kind of on the nod or whatever. And his buddy is in some of the scenes with him in this fucking video where he shows you how to play songs or whatever and since me and his friend were the only ones that didn't really have anything to do we would end up in the green room just hanging out me this little kid and this older dude and he kind of started telling me like you ever heard of black flag or whatever and he started turning me on to music right and so i kind of you know i was a sponge like you are when you're a kid and i was just like okay yeah he told me about all this weird music whatever and when i you know a week later the guy dies and it turns out it was River Phoenix. Fuck. Yeah. But I wouldn't know because I'm a kid and I only knew him from like Stand By Me or something like that. And he's an yeah, adult yeah, at yeah, this yeah. point, you know. But then I see it on the news and I kind of like, m- you know, make that sort of connection that like, whoa, that was that guy. And okay. You know, and so that even kind of further made me want to investigate what he was talking about. But yeah, River Phoenix is like the first person that told me about punk. Wow. Weird, right? 
You know what I mean? And like, you know, it's not like I did not spend my life around famous people. It was just some chance occurrence, right? And so from that, I guess I was asking my dad about shit and he rented Decline for me because my dad is into film and independent film and anything that was kind of done on a small budget, he's always been fascinated by that, you know? So that was my introduction to punk was really L.A. punk. You know, that was my introduction to it. And then from there, you know your mind goes nuts and you find it all you know what I mean but yeah Black Flag The Germs Circle Jerks all that shit that was that kind of yeah that's what turned me on to everything is that's where I started what a trip and obviously yeah. you didn't see him again after that day that was it I had no idea who he was or anything you know yeah, I mean? yeah. we were just two dudes you know a grown up and a kid sitting in a fucking green room watching shitty TV and you know you want to be in a band when you grow up I was like I think so you know what I mean like that kind of shit just you know some regular guy I had no idea so he was all in on punk was he that was you know I don't know I don't know if he was just telling me about punk because I was a kid or I don't know yeah. I have no idea you know what I mean he was just telling me about music because we were there and I was like you know I only knew probably mainstream music I didn't have an older brother I wasn't you know I didn't know anything about anything you know so you know I guess he figured he would turn me I don't know I don't know why he told me weird right they're really weird yeah what's your uh, what's your dad's background like uh, obviously other than dad like is, is he a filmmaker by trade is that his somewhat craft? he was a child actor in okay. Hollywood in the 60s which is kind was of was he in anything <clears throat> notable I mean if you grew up in the 60s yeah you know what I mean he paid his family's rent by acting you know he had he was on Gunsmoke and Bonanza and shit like that you know so he was a ch- and some William Castle movies you know stuff that like is long forgotten at this point in the fucking pantheon of shit but yeah at the time there would be like girls who would camp out on my grandparents you know regular ranch home he was like Burbank. a teen heart, heartthrob yeah wow. somewhat you yeah, know yeah, what yeah. I mean somewhat you know uh, and then Vietnam came and Did he go? No, no. My, his older brother went. His older brother came back all fucked up. Yeah. Obviously. Um, and my grandmother's from Perth. So they saw what happened to him. My grandfather grabbed everyone and they moved to Perth for like two or three years. My dad's career ended there, you know, which was kind of fucked up because, you know, that's what he loved. Went to Perth. You know, he, he loved moving to Australia and then came back to America and tried to get his career back, but it's he's a grown In the now. 60s, the cinema industry changed so much towards the end of the decade as well, didn't it? Obviously, Easy oh, Rider yeah. comes out and then it's a whole new breed of filmmakers. Yeah, so. the 70s has started. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like by the time he comes back, the 70s has started. He's not the same person. You know, he was a child. Now he's coming back as like this little bit older than teenager, young adult, and it's a whole different thing. You know what I mean? And then the rest of his life is some other crazy story. You know? I mean, here's the one Here's the one thing, one mini anecdote I can say about my dad, which is kind of cool and, you know, to me, touching, sort of. He had worked through the 70s to try to get his career back. And he was in some things here and there. He starred in this B-horror flick. He's a ape in Planet of the Apes. Just shit like that, you know? And that's a pretty cool gig. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And then he finally got a call from Francis Ford Coppola to be in Apocalypse Now. He was cast as mustache dude on the boat, you know. 
and my mom got pregnant. And the choice was go to the Philippines for however fucking long this crazy film Wow, that being about two years or something, didn't exactly. it? Yeah, yeah. Or stay home and take <clears throat> care of your family and see your son be born. And that's what he chose, and I think that's the last time he, he never went out for anything ever again. And assumedly you were that son? Yeah. Wow. Wild, right? Yeah, really wild. Yeah, and, that, and then he got a job. He made his choice and... Yeah, and he says he doesn't regret it, you know? Um, I think it would be impossible to regret it if you are that way inclined. Like, you're never going to resent that because the choice was in your hands and, totally. you know, family over everything, right? Family over everything. He's, yeah, he's a dedicated father, you know? And went from acting to fucking working behind the scenes in films doing hard labor in a union what building sets and things like that yeah yep hard labor for 10 years to take care of his family you know have you got brothers or sisters yeah 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 my little brother actually was on this tour nice with me uh the first time he's been to europe just helping yeah helping me yeah so that's you know that's one of the main reasons i'm doing the thing the way i'm doing it now is i can bring someone I care about that doesn't really necessarily have to play an instrument or do Mm -hmm. anything and share it with someone I care about. That's been a main motivator for why I'm doing what I'm doing. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I tour a bit, and I always tour on my own because I'm just DJing between bands, and I find it an incredibly lonely experience. Like I'm sure. And every band, and I get it because they have to do what they do to make the machine operate in a smooth way, but I feel like even bands that I know, when they're on tour, they're so like locked into that tour mindset that it's almost like they're kind of closed off even if they know you, right? Totally. And everyone has their own little camps, and so I think oh, yeah. it's obviously very vital and helpful to have someone within that camp who's family and has your back and... It's amazing. You know what I mean? It was, this has been like an amazing gift. It's like the first time I've felt successful in forever because I got to share something with my kid, brother. Well, he's not a kid anymore, but you know, (laughs) my brother that like that, yeah, it made me feel like a success for the first time in forever. You know, those are the things when you're like, wow, I just showed 
my brother, you know, where I come from, people don't have a lot of money, you know, and don't travel. So for years, music's taken me around the world and I come back and I'm telling my family who doesn't really get to go do this and I didn't get to share it with them. I'm telling my brother about all this shit I've done, you know, and it's like, what's the fucking point of this if I can't like share it with people I care about? There's just, who fucking cares, you know? Eventually that's where I got to. So that's why, yeah, it, it was, this has been big for me, for both of us. How often do you get to tour across several countries you did all of europe with mark as well right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. with with a uh fully adult siblings getting to like spend time together like that you know just boom yeah man you know so that's been touching you know and you know worth it right there yeah. let's go back to so you make you're making these beats over the course of however many years yeah and then the band's over um when do you start putting lyrics and then when does the concept start to materialize and you want to bring in visuals and how do you package it all together to become like the, the amazing is, show that i saw last night okay um so i get the band's over i start kicking around and playing with other bands you know, thank you. And I start putting together lineups and playing with people. And I'm like, I'm going to get like all these fucking guys who everyone knows and whatever. And start playing with people. And no matter who I play with, it still sounds vaguely like the Icarus line. And I'm like, this is not going to happen. I can't. You need it to be new. Can't do anything with a band, you know? And I don't even know if I want to do a band. My heart's just not, not there. So, a friend of mine, this guy, this guy, Sam, asked me to come to New York and work on some music with him, you know, and I go and he's a drummer and I bring, I write some songs, write some on the spot and we kind of do some stuff and it's cool and I'm experimenting with ideas. But again, the same thing happens. I'm just like, this is not vital. This is, there's no reason for this to exist, which is a... For me, why do something if there's no reason for it to? It's just like an, you know, ego jack-off. So, or just a job. <coughs> or a job. And not And I don't make money off exciting. of it. Anyway, so yeah. it's never a job for Go me. Go be a barman, yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I think the catalyst for me to sing over the beats, actually, I know. The day that, and this might sound corny, but the day that Bowie died, yeah. Maddie fell to earth right Yeah, now. yeah. And that's the day I dyed my hair like him because I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll do a literal tribute to this yeah. guy because I still don't think people understand how much he impacted culture beyond music. You know, a lot of people yeah. talk about music, but he had a huge impact on just culture. He shifted culture, you know, and, uh, and Prince too. Both of those were, you know, major losses and, like, people that will never be replaced. So, the day he died, I think the whole world, especially the music community, everyone just, you know, felt uh, there was just, like, a loss. And I went to the studio, and I threw one of the beats up, and I was, like, I felt, like, compelled. You know, I was, like, I just have to... I have to do it. You know, they had been sitting there staring at me for for however long and just building up 
every night, every other night, another fucking beat piles up on my drive and just staring at me. And I had tried to get other people to sing on them. Some dudes came in and rapped on them, whatever, you know, but I just stayed away from them for some reason. I don't, I just didn't see myself in there. And I just, I don't know why, but that day I went in and sang on a song by myself in the studio, did it. And I heard it back and I was like, wow, that's not too bad. And I think right then and there, I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. This is going to work. You know, not in a sense that this is going to work. People are going to care about it. This is going to work. Like there's something special here. There's a vessel for me to express myself in a new way. You know what I mean? That's what was so exciting. It was like, oh shit. What did you sing about in the first song, Joe? Remember? It's called Los Angeles 98. And I probably will never release it. You know, I mean, I've done, I've recorded 40, 50 songs already with vocals and everything done. Probably no one will ever hear most of it. But yeah, Los Angeles 98. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Probably gibberish. Consciousness stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like the first line of the song is, I only know the first line is like licking the legs of the mother. You know what I mean? Like that's the first, first line of so the So you track. just went in there and just got wild essentially and just let your inhibitions go and you just went wherever it took you. Yeah. Well, to speak on process, I guess, I don't, you know, I'm always writing words, you know. Sometimes it's narrative. Sometimes it's just bullshit. Sometimes it's a line. I collect things that people say. That's what writers do, I think. I don't know. So I have a just a catalog of material always so and I don't even remember if this is correct but I'm pretty sure I probably found a passage of something put it on a page I mean this is just how I do shit in a studio most of the time put it on a page press record sing it and then that's the song you know like I don't sit around and try to massage ideas it just it doesn't work like that for me I just I just need words in front of me, start playing the music, and then I'll make the words into melodies and fit into the music probably as good as I'm ever going to do within one or two takes, and then that's it. So that's basically my process of writing a song. You know, it just happens right then and there, and, you know, like, you know, Jay-Z style or something, you know, I just just bang it out. You did a track with, or maybe more than one track, but you did some stuff with Karay Calloway, didn't you, Queen Kwong? Yeah. And uh, I know her pretty well, and they were telling me, her and Wes, about the process of her first album, and it sounded like a similar deal, essentially. It's you plug in, and you just kind of capture what you do, and you go, and then you stop and print, that's it. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've produced her last record and wrote it with her, and the new one. Right, cool. You know? Nice. Yeah, so... um, but yeah, I, I've kind of, that's my method of working. And I guess I kind of just like pushed her on to be like, look, this is how you, this is how I know how to get real energy It's just go for it. And yeah, that's essentially, that's I, for me, it doesn't make pop songs. So I understand that that's maybe a deficit for certain listeners, but the energy that something has when it's the recording of it actually happening you know i mean there's nothing like it the point of creation capturing that 
there's no other you can't capture that sound ever again to me you know there's something just beautiful about like this is happening now yeah you know yeah the product is the the process Mm -hmm. yeah for sure and uh from there i started working on all these songs it was weird it was and it was no label no nothing you know going back and forth from LA to New York I had one of my a mentor a friend a long time like co-patriot you know Mike Musmano he worked on almost every Icarus Line record in some fashion you know even if he just played keyboards on a song he produced Penetoire you know in various capacities I would go there for a couple weeks do some vocals with him we'd go back to LA and you know spending money just trying to amass this catalog of music but even while I was making it I really just didn't think I wanted anybody to hear it you know what I mean and is that why you then you mentioned a moment ago before we started recording that it's a very personal album is that why you went in so deep on that stuff is because you're like maybe no one will hear this I just need to do this for me for sure for sure yeah yeah it was the fact that I really didn't have any ambitions for people to kind of hear it uh, made it so that it didn't really matter. No one's listening. You know, no one's looking. So I could just, you know, and I knew that it would be bolder. I had to do something that scared me. You know, I mean, I always have to. But that's being ultra personal and sort of confronting my personal life and just, you know, that was what felt dangerous. You know, so that's why that happened. Um, So, you know, we just kind of started stockpiling this thing. And, you know, I work on other people's records a lot. I have a studio in L.A. That's kind of how I've supported myself is producing records for people. So and then, you know, whatever people come over and I play them some of the stuff here and there. And, you know, getting some decent reactions from friends, musician friends or whatever. And there's a band called Prayers in L.A. Um, that are they're a great band, and they're coined as like cholo goth or something like that. You know, right. and <laughs> it goes they, back to what we were talking about earlier. Kind yeah. of, yeah. You know, and they've gotten really popular. Like overnight, Vice did this thing on them, and it just kind of like happened. People connected with it. So the singer Rafa, a dear friend, heard I sang over some a Stranger Things song. Which one? Uh, like just one of the keyboard yeah, themes, one of the yeah, themes, yeah, yeah. You know, and I like sang over it and then put it on SoundCloud. Like, why? I don't know. You know, and it's he, crazy how much that show is tapped into. Maybe Zeitgeist is the wrong word because it's obviously a retro '80s set. Probably the right show. word though, too. You know, but it seems to have captured the imagination of everyone, doesn't it? Totally, it's a great show, and the music is like phenomenal. Yeah, you know, um, and he heard that. And he invited me, what, two Halloweens ago? One, I don't know. To come sing that song in the middle of their set. And they were headlining the Mayan Theater in L.A., which is this beautiful place. And I never played there. And I was like, fuck, yeah, okay, I'll do it. You know, had put no thought into playing this music in front of anyone. But then I didn't want to sing that song. So I sang one of the songs I had recorded, the third song I played last night. And it was, a, they're a tough audience, dude. You know what I mean? Like, their audience is like, there's goth kids, there's like emo kids, but there's thugs too, for, for real. And it's East LA, you know? So I walk out, this white dude looking like however I look. Cause like, you know, Rob is like tats, 
You know what I mean? I mean, they look hard. And they got, like, dudes standing on stage, like, fucking, you know, vatos. <clears throat> so I walk out in the middle of the set, fucking play East Side No One, and was like, okay, that was pretty fun. It was loud as fuck, and I was like, that was cool. And Nick Lane happened to be there, who's like a, like a mega producer, I guess. He's produced the last six Bad Seeds records, uh, everything from like, he did like PIL Flowers of Romance was one of his first records. Wow. You know, so. I've had John on the show, John Lydon. Oh, really? Yeah, real character, man. Awesome. <laughs> so Nick's seen it, you know what I mean? And, uh, and it's weird because, you know, it's weird that we had never <laughs> met, but, you know, been around the same people. And he, like, found me after the show and was like, that was, I haven't seen anything like that. You know, that was incredible. And there was no video shit or nothing. It was just me standing on a stage doing that song. Pretty wild. You know, and it was a wild feeling. And I was so fucking nervous because I've never done anything like that, you know. And uh, he was like, man, let's, you know, stay in touch, whatever, whatever. And then he came down to the studio and heard the rest of the shit I was doing or had done. And next thing you know, he has this label with these guys in Australia, this guy Mark Fennessy, they've started this label. Super cool, generous, music-loving people. And they want to, like, sign me to the label, you know? And so then I'm like, well, okay, I guess I better figure out a way to... Do you take a gift like that when it's, you know, put out by the universe? Do you double-take um, and home through pros cons or do you just roll with the universe's karma yeah. and say I just have to go with this yeah 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 I think I kind of just roll with it because I'm not someone who has the luxury of really turning down opportunities to work on my art especially when they feel so right totally no one's asking me to do anything differently they're just like what you're doing is great let us help you Okay, well, like, what am I supposed... You know, even though I wasn't planning on, like, putting this into the world, where I come from, you don't say no to that. You know, you say, okay, yeah, sure, fine. You know, I can pay my rent for a second and, like, do this shit, fine. So, in between the time of him seeing me and now, I made a movie yeah, I watched the first half this morning. I didn't get to see the whole thing, but okay. very uh, Jim Jarmusch, Vincent Gallo-esque. Totally. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Cool. So, so you saw a little bit of that. The director of the movie is a local director and has his hands in all kinds of things. He asked me three or four times, like, hey, we should, you know, we hang out, whatever, and I'll tell him about what's going on in my life, good and bad. And he's like, man, we should just fucking make a movie about this. You know, I'm like... No, <laughs> we don't need to make a movie about my life, dude. You know, and finally the band was over. This is in that interim. And uh, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Whatever, you know. And so we start writing together and start kind of stringing together a loose outline script, whatever. And I help cast and, you know, I have a hand in it. First day I show up for shooting, I don't, you know, I've never acted in my fucking life. I don't know anything about acting. And I was always put off by even anything having to do with film because it was my dad's thing. 
And I also saw kind of what happened in his life with it. And, you know, there was probably some negative connotations with what happened with him, you know? So I always kind of just stayed away from it. But, okay, I'm going to do this thing. And I figure he's going to show up with a friend with, like, a DSLR, and we're going to start doing some shit. I show up the first day. There's 10 people catering, blah, blah, blah. I'm like... Oh shit! What I guess is, this is happening. Yeah, like oh, I just didn't even realize it was going to be anything. You know, I just had no idea. So we make the movie, and over is the, Keith Morris in it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah, get yeah, to the point, sure. the point when he's in it yet. Yeah. How, How crazy is that as well? You go from in a little room with River Phoenix telling you about Black Flag to Fast Track fifteen years, whatever twenty years, with, and no, and Keith. Yeah. Well, Keith was worked at V two, right? You know, so he was part of my A&R team at V2. He was pretty much, besides our our guy, John Seidel, who we thought was fucking awesome, Keith was there too, and that was the reason we signed to V2. Because it was like, Keith, share... Sure. You know what I mean? Like, whatever, you know? This seems great. Someone wants to put out our garbage and Keith Morris is involved? Sure. You know? So, uh, so yeah, anyways, we make, th- we make this film and over the course of it, you know, I must have had like an epiphany about just how incomplete the story I was telling up until that point was, you know, because I'm making music that isn't accessible to everyone, but I'm realizing as we're doing this movie a you don't need a million dollars all you need is an idea uh the gear has become democratized price wise relatively you know just like everything you can just do shit now you know a couple grand you can get a camera you know or you know someone who has a camera you know you can do things on your own which to me is like how i grew up anyways you know i we made our own records before anyone put our records out and this is just normal you know doing it yourself was just how we did it you know we at kinko's making our t-shirt designs and shit whatever so i saw that in other art forms all of a sudden like that it's totally attainable and that i can do this and i also saw that i can tell deeper dimensions of the story yeah you know with film and that the music can mean a lot more with film and that actually there's things I can say with film that I can't say with music and I was looking for that and I just didn't even know, you know? And so throughout that process, I realized that, you know, maybe I'm, a, I, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I'm any good at this, but I'm going to fucking do it, you know? And that's how... I met my partner. He was the DP on the film. So my partner in all the uh, Holy Wardrobe, Cardamom, whatever you call it, visuals, I met him on that project. And, you know, he's he knows more about film than I do in certain ways. And I know, you know, it was just a good... It was a, it was a marriage and a friendship instantly. And it felt like starting a band with someone for the first time. And that was, like, so cool because I hadn't felt that way in forever you know it was like oh wow like I have no idea what we're doing but who cares you know like this is fucking fun I think you need that collaboration as well like as much as it's good to go off on your own and get deep within yourself I think art is you know it should exist in a uh, collaborative space totally unless you're a painter yeah you know or Or stand up yeah 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 you know you pretty much 
it's hard to do it in a vacuum. And, you know, I mean, to me, it's kind of crazy that, you know, two or three people, it only took two or three people to do that whole show that I did last night, you know? Yeah, I'm sure big artists spend fucking shitloads of money to make stuff that's not even that good, you know? I'm sure, you know? So, yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing to work together, you know? And we're shooting stuff, and he's trusting me as, like, a first-time filmmaker. I mean, the opening of the set, that's my first film. Yeah, you yeah, know? I saw it directed by you in the, t- in the Yeah, credits. that's, that's yeah. it, you know? And the set is almost a scam to get people to watch my first film. You know what I mean? It's like, cool, yeah, I'm going to say... When that film started playing, the whole room was just like, huh? Totally. It was so good, man. I was trying to think of the word all night. I was like, what the hell is Joe? There's a word that was ellipsing me all night. And uh, agitator is exactly how I would describe what you're doing in its current form. (laughs) Good. And it it was wild to see, man. It's been so long since I've seen not even just a support band but any act really kind of like blow me away like that because I'm so used I'm so ingrained in guitar music I'm so used to just seeing a group with instruments play yeah formatted songs and we all are from like that world you know what I mean we all are but the thing is is I don't listen to guitar bands anymore I haven't for a long time even way before I started doing this it's like in America, the only sort of popular music that is even doing anything to me that's interesting is like hip hop, rap, black music, for whatever, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Which we have over here in the form of grime. That seems to be the one art form that totally. the youth connect with so much more than guitar music because it's from the heart and they're telling stories and they're raising issues that matter totally. and connect. And and because Rock's lost that voice, I think, hasn't it? Like it totally it's, has, man. Well, there's just there's too many preconceived notions that come along with it. You know what I mean? It's like rules, references. Yeah. Everything's referencing something. There's rules, <coughs> and you have to follow the rules to get people to appeal to it. Yeah. But that's exactly what is fucking killing it at yeah. the same time, and it's just don't care, you know. Um, and here's the thing, uh, and this is like my fucking like you know theory, anyways. Rock and roll, like the Stones, whoever, when rock and roll was born and it was at its golden age, and what we all like look back and like that, you know, when you look back and see an early Stones video or early whatever, you know that it's happening right then and there more than it is now. You just know. You look at it and you're like it's being born it's being done it's coming into its own they were referencing and ripping off and being influenced by contemporary black artists you know and at some point there was a disconnect and then all of a sudden all white artists are just ripping off other white art and it just got into this spot where and occasionally you do get exciting stuff say like the strokes they were obviously just riffing on tom petty and old garage rock and velvet underground and things like that and that was fresh and every now and again it does come and obviously punk was a huge sweep of like exciting new ideas but again it's to me i almost feel like punk could have been the end you know what i mean yeah 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 you know like you know, it was like, well, once you put it in the hands of everyone as well, and I'm not sure how much of a popular opinion this will be, but it's yeah. almost like once anyone can be in a band, yeah, then it's like, well, there's, it's not a special. It's not a special, exactly. Yeah, 
so to me and there's so fucking much of it now as well exactly (laughs) it's a fucking yeah it's a torrential downpour of like who cares you know Uh, but yeah rock and roll was it had to have black music to be born so to me that just is a no brainer you know what I mean and it's always been like that to me you know it's like yeah these two musics like these two genres or whatever they're like married you know and to me so you talking about that in relation to this project mm-hmm. and what you're doing because you're getting inspired by contemporary totally black music and doing it in your way in totally. the same way that totally totally yeah like Mick Jagger was a was being a wigger you know what I mean yeah. you know and that's like people I don't think people can really see that these days I don't think they or maybe they do but I don't see that in white artists so much these days especially anything that's artful and like pushing boundaries and then enter giant pop artists like Kanye or Travis Scott or someone like that and they're doing albums that are fucking art pieces yeah and tons of people are relating to them you know whether you like them or not Kanye has shifted the way music is you know especially in America you know Yeezus came out Dude, bands have never been the same. And they don't even know that they're influenced by it. You know? And to me, that's where the excitement is. And I'm looking at the songs and the stuff he's creating, or Travis Scott, or Danny Brown, or uh, Run the Jewels, whoever the fuck. And, like, I don't know if they don't know the rules, or they don't care about the rules, but song format is just whatever. You know, song format is whatever it is. And, like, there's a cut in the middle, and then the song change. You know, there's no rules. And to me... The music's serving the idea, <laughs> isn't it? Totally. They're just running on pure artistic instinct. That inspires the fuck out of me. That's where I live anyways. And it was just like, yeah, of course, this is my home. You know, this has been my home, and why am I trying to fucking grind it out in this fucking band format you know what I mean like what am I doing like this is what I'm supposed to be doing so it was pretty much yeah pretty much saved my life to be able to start doing something that I was excited about you know it's crazy how it all fell into place as well Mm. like it obviously took ages but then the second that seed flowered it's like oh all the like pieces just fall right into place yeah it was done it was it was already I guess it's already in me, you know what I mean? Like it's already, it's just like all. The, I don't have. I didn't have to do any work. I, it's like already what you know. That's already my life. You know what yeah. I mean? I'm already like. I'm already listening to what people are doing. You know, so it's like, yeah, it was just, the music I was making for myself, was more in line with that anyway. So it was just, yeah, it was already done. You said earlier on that it's a very personal album. To go back to that again, I'm not sure yeah. how much you want to get into it or how yeah, much you talk about stuff, but could you tell us about <clears throat> what you're talking about in some cases? Yeah, I think so. I mean, let me just think about the set. Because the first song, is the, was the first line of the first song, I've lost my mind, yeah. or something to that. That's yeah. when I was like, I'm in. Like, yeah. the film had me anyway, yeah. but then as soon as you come out looking like the fucking man who <laughs> fell to earth dressed like Ryan Gosling in Drive and fucking saying I've lost my mind I was like alright yeah I'm in yeah yeah that song oh I lost my mind 
I guess the lyrics are still so fresh you probably don't even like <laughs> they're not well I don't think about them yeah, just, yeah, yeah you know if I think about it I'll forget them live you know what I yeah, mean yeah, as soon as I'm like instinct. what are the lyrics it's gone um, but that song yeah Tuesday night 11 o'clock I miss a call I think that's yeah me talking about getting the call about Alvin being sick that's how the set starts it's me getting the phone call crazy i didn't even realize that till right now so yeah that's how it starts and right around it's kind of setting up the whole thing i guess that song because i would talk about that for a second and then halfway through it i mean all my shit's pretty stream of consciousness and loose halfway through it i talk about you know my best friend annie waking up in the morning and her baby's dead you know because she lost her child around the same time when alvin got sick she had a, a child be born and 30 days later she woke up in the morning the baby's dead you know she's one of my best friends you know so that a lot of things happened at the same time you know so that song kind of sets up the scene of where we're going you know what I mean loss and then where do we go from here yeah pretty much you know and just it's just reading the news you know what I mean mm. it's like this is it this is what's going on what was the track with the sort of derelict bombed out city in the background mm. Aleppo. And where the hell did you get those visuals? That's Aleppo, and that's just Russian uh, drone footage right. of Aleppo. Um, and that footage has nothing to do directly with the you know lyrical content, but it emotional content emotion. yeah, yeah, yeah. is directly connected. Yeah. Because... Well, I think sometimes when the visuals are so literally representing the words, it be can become a bit obvious and yeah, crass. Sucks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like let's represent the emotions, mm -hmm. and not so when you see a music video and they're like each shot is the lyric, it's like yeah, it's like dude, what are you doing? <laughs> That's not art, is it? That's yeah. just painting by numbers. Yeah, totally. It's just yeah. For some people, it might be perfect. You know, for me, it's like well, we want to at least try to. I think it leaves it so that you know people see that, and it's obvious the song's not about that, and then they can like view devastation and put whatever is in their life into that song all mm -hmm. of a sudden you know and so the words are then almost just seeping in subconsciously they're not even really listening to the words it's totally more about taking them to a, a line a state of mind yeah a line will gr jump out you know what i mean and it'll be like it'll trigger something in them you know uh i guess maybe it was miles davis i don't know who said it but he's you know he said what did he say he said you know, jazz music doesn't tell you a story. It tells you your story. You know, and that has always stuck with me. And that's always kind of why I felt like it's okay to do what I'm doing. You know, I don't have to be too specific because especially now the stuff I'm doing, it's like this is, you know, this is yours too. So just, you know, whatever you get out of this, you know... The, the emotion it's emotionally rich you know what I mean so if there's something in your life that this is about then that's what it's about you know and some people are just asleep like I noticed last night that a lot of people in the crowd just did not know what the fuck was going on yeah and weren't open in that way to just let it take them where it was going to take them and I guess you know it's that going back to that idea of you so sort of taught to 
look upon a gig a certain way which is basically you just go and listen to the songs and sing along and that's the extent of the experience and for me it's never been about that no no you have to be open to experiencing something new to even get into something like what i'm doing because i'm bringing something a little different into (coughs) that world right um, Which is also, I think, what a good support act should do. Totally. It's and really fucked with the audience before the main event. So they actually kind of still enjoy the main event. But then after the gig, they're like, who was that guy? Yeah, what was, what was that? that? Totally. And you know what? Kudos to Mark for... How did he... How did your paths cross? Uh, the first time... he, I, I imagine, picked you for this tour, like, personally. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I don't even have a booking agent. You know what I mean? So it was, like, emails between us, you know? Um yeah, I met him when we opened for Queens of Stone Age like 15 years ago. And he was like the one person in the band that I don't even know if I really knew. I kind of knew who he was, but, you know, for some reason I stopped and talked to him, you know, and not like, you know, you see Mark, he's like a formidable presence, you know, so I don't he's even earthy, know. Totally, he? you know, and it's like, what am I doing talking to this tall ass dude but you know I remember at that show I stopped and talked to him I was like hey man what's up you know and we talked for a minute and he seemed really nice and then a couple years later when bubblegum came out he had the Icarus line support him then and I think we had one conversation on that whole tour and then over the years I've been involved in projects like I worked with Warren Ellis and Nick on the Lala soundtrack and I remember conversations about they need a singer for some track and I, th- I love the way you just casually say Nick <laughs> that's, yeah. that's amazing <laughs> yeah well they're like fucking you know they're really fucking collaborators of yours uh, not so much but just cool guys yeah you know what I mean right. yeah yeah they're just really uh, I worked with and for them for like I don't know a month or something like that and that's how I got to that know that film's them. fucking amazing as well it's a cool film and the school what's the thing? other western that he did where he's in the bar scene as well proposition that's the fu- hey, did he write that yeah that's a fucking what a, movie man. what a great film right great film great film I love his book The Death of Bunny Monroe as well I haven't read The Ass Kiss the Angel yeah the first me one, either but, but I have Bunny's it. a great <laughs> you know yeah it, it, yeah he's yeah Nick's fucking great you know meeting those guys and kind of working with them and you know, instantly was like, oh, these are good people. You know, that's like how I, I was instantly like, okay, the, it's nice to meet people who do stuff that you respect. And then as people, they're just, you know, Nick's one of the funniest dudes I've ever met. No doubt. You know he mean? wrote one of my favorite lyrics ever. I'd climb over 50 good pussies to get to one fat boy's asshole. Exactly. You know, that's it, fucking, that's a dark <laughs> stroke he's painting there. Totally. <laughs> and, and Warren's a fucking wizard and one of the sweetest, most generous human beings I've ever met. You know what I mean? Like, dude, he like, when we would come through on tour, the Icarusine, he let us sleep on his family couch and let the, you know, and like, wife would make dinner for the group you know what I mean like me and Alvin ate dinner at the table and you know like real shit yeah real people yeah you know um I don't know where I was going with that Mark the Mark connection okay so yeah when we were working on that you know I think I blurted out Mark's name and they ended up using Mark on a song there and then I worked with James Williamson from the Stooges on some stuff and again it was like it's just an impressive list I guess it is you know um, I guess it's kind of like 
if you don't feel like you've had a successful career in the sort of monetary or traditional sense, you can sometimes sort of get disillusioned or very much so. But then I guess you've got to just look at the people that you've been lucky enough to work with and think, fucking hell, blessed. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Same thing with that. You know, James is doing all these unreleased Stooges songs. A friend calls me and is like, would you want to record this and maybe sing on a song? And I'm like, yeah, of course, man. You know, it's like, if it wasn't for the Stooges, I wouldn't even be here. You know, and end up hitting it off with James right away. And James trusting me right away to be like, I need singers for this stuff, man. Help me find some people. You know, he's like, I don't know anybody. You know, I've been in Silicon Valley and then did Stooges tours, but I don't really, you know, who would be good for these songs? And again, Mark's name comes out of my mouth and all this time I'm not even in contact with Mark but his voice is just on the front of my brain when I'm you know they're like think of a classic voice you know and so yeah so you're also just selflessly kind of suggesting him not with a view to gain anything from yeah, it yeah I don't even think he knows I fucking did that you know what I mean it's not even like I'm like hey man I'm the fucking you know I hooked no. you up bro yeah yeah, yeah not yeah. at all yeah. you know uh, yeah you know just why You're not? serving the idea again. Yeah, you know, it's like, this is going to be cool for everyone, you know? Like, put people together. That's what, you know, that's what it's about. Yeah, man. You know what I mean? Like, let's put people together. Let's get relationships, you know? To me, it's always been about putting people together, not dividing them, you know? Not building walls, like, no, this is my fucking connection, man, or whatever. Fuck that. My you friend know? has a saying which sums it up perfectly, community, not competition. Totally. Totally. You know, it's, yeah, it's just a better way of life and things come around that way. You know what I mean? So yeah, again, same, same sort of shit. Mark, I think heard the first song I put out from this batch and like said something and then I said something back and it was like, Hey man, you know, if you ever want to do something together and we were talking and the next thing you know, he's like, there's a tour coming up. You want to go? And I was like, yeah, sure. And then Alvin got really sick and I almost didn't go. And I was worried because it was seven weeks long and I haven't ever gone on tour by myself for seven weeks. And I got to get in a bus with all these people I don't know. And, da, 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 you know, and I'm having anxieties about the whole thing. And then, you know, I don't know, like three days, you know, Alvin only died like seven days before I left for this tour. Um, and like a few days before he died, I don't know if I already said this, No. but you know, I went to see him every other day, just go in at near the end, almost every day. And I was like, Hey man, you know, and he's, he was in bad shape. I mean, he couldn't see at the end and he really couldn't talk that well. He had a tumor in his mouth. It was just fucked. I was like, dude, I'll break you out of here. Do you want to go to the beach? What do you want to do? Let's go. What do you want to do? Let's just do anything. You know, I'm desperate to fucking do something for him. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm okay. We did it, man. We did it. We did it all. He's like, and he said, like, the only regrets, the only regret I have is the shows that I didn't play. And then, uh, you know, and then he passed away. And um, I knew that I had to go do this because of that. You know what I mean? Because it was like, yeah, he would never... That's why he would have wanted it. Yeah, totally. So I, so I picked myself up and 
just jumped on this and uh, yeah I haven't stopped moving basically since his funeral you know what happens now this is the end of the tour right hmm yeah I go home and I get to work I have a record I have to do as soon as I get home for a, a band called Great Sadness friends of mine so yeah just back on the job working <laughs> you know yeah it never ends you know, I know. I, Are you, you know. going to? Do you think that you need to continue to work to allow the grieving process to? I don't even know. Or I don't do you know. think you need some time? I don't even know. I don't know. I've never done that. You know, I've lost people, but this is different. And like, I don't even know. I don't even know what it means. You know, it's he isn't even gone yet to me, so I don't really know. You know, on this trip. You know, I'll be honest, you know, there was like definitely a couple of nights where I'm alone in a room, like every once in a while I'll get my own dressing room. Most of the time we all just shared a dressing room, but every once in a while I'd be alone, you know, and I'd think about him and I'd maybe weep a little bit, you know, and just miss him. But I would, you know, on stage, it was fucking crazy, man. You know, I, you know, I'm not incredibly spiritual, but, you know, I could definitely feel him around me or the essence of him or the memory of him with me at certain fucking moments in the set too and it's you know like that song Believers with the Aleppo footage you know every other night you know I just like feel him around me you know what I mean cause like that song even though that song was like written and performed before his death but everything that was happening he's in there you know what I mean he's in there like other problems in my life they're all in there you know and so like when I have to actually perform something like that uh, there's no stopping there's no there's no stopping those things from coming to the fucking front of my mind that moment on stage which is fucked you know cause it's just like fuck I'm dealing with this shit in front of all these people right now you know every night and that has been hard you know, that has been, that part is draining. I've come off stage every night being like, fuck. I almost dropped off the tour like halfway through it, you know, because it was just emotionally draining to relive some of the more horrific things that have been happening over the last few years every night. I don't have a detachment from them in this music. The Iker sign dude I was detached from everything it was just a different thing in this stuff there's no wall in between me and my emotional wreckage you know there's a wall in between me and the audience somewhat and that's why the visuals that's why the glasses that's why all the shit but there's no wall in between me and myself and that's why I have that shit because I don't think I could handle dealing with people and what I'm internally kind of like trying to uh, resolve, you know. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's been a, it's been, yeah, it's been a profound, difficult, you name it. Yeah, it's been a, a wild experience. And I think some nights people have really understood that, you know, that that's happening. And some audiences haven't and some have. The ones that have have really saved me and lifted me up and been cognizant of the fact that, you know, yeah, they can, t- 
people who are tuned in and not tuned out can sense that's what's happening more or less and they are respectful of it and understand that like okay this person probably does need a little bit of support from me as a spectator because something's happening here you know and that's that's been pretty touching you know when that happens that's been pretty cool because that's not something I've ever experienced you know in in rock bands and all that shit you know it's not really like that you know it's just not like that and uh this is i've never done anything like this you know and this is a completely just new place for me to be and it's it's wild yeah and it's obviously like just at the start isn't it it's just getting yeah. started it's yeah ultimately a positive ride then an exciting time anything new is positive to me you know anything that i haven't done yeah you know as long as i'm not kicking the bucket yeah you know it's positive uh anything that feels like i don't know if i can do it you know that's the rush i guess you know that like oh fuck man i don't know if i can pull this off then you know you're alive at least you know you know there's something to push against you know there's no map there's no you know there's no emotional fucking rule book you're just going in and you have to like figure it out you know so to me that's exciting i think i don't know <laughs> you know it's like so confusing to me honestly half the time i don't really know yeah you know half the time i was like i don't even know if i want to do music at all anymore this is too much for me you know it's crazy but in the end yeah it was a this trip has been transformative in the sense that i learned more about myself what i was capable of a completely different way to connect to people through music and art which i didn't know i was going to be able to figure out at my age after all i've done after hitting walls and being like i don't know i don't know this is like i don't know if i have anything to offer anywhere and then all of a sudden this chapter of my life kicks off and here we are i'm experiencing everything like it's the first time pretty wild yeah man yeah dude i've really enjoyed this thanks Likewise. thanks for opening up and uh yeah connecting thank you joe yeah. um tell me about the album and release date and things like that for people listening there's when nothing to they? tell you right? know what i mean uh yeah helium records is the company that signed me and we're just gonna kind of release music when we feel like it you know i think there's a a mixtape for lack of a better term gonna come out but there's tons of material so things are just and where can people get it on the internet on the internet yeah. just google it motherfuckers yeah, don't be exactly. lazy lots of movies <laughs> everything will have visual components to it you fantastic know? yeah and then there's a feature that I've finished the script for ready to go hopefully within the next two years that'll kind of it's all tied in hopefully that'll be out too love it yeah well dude I'm in LA in May so we should fucking hang out come come by the studio I'd love to yeah come Let's check it out see happen. it for yourself dude <laughs> well oh, yeah. thanks again and um, yeah. keep doing it man keep doing it I'm gonna try <laughs> right on
it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 